The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. This morning, I want to talk about the man born blind. And this is a story which you can find in John chapter 9. But with John, if you're reading John, many of the chapters of John link together. And so if we go to chapter 8, this actually links in to the story of chapter 9. And so if I just talk to you a little bit about where we are in chapter 8, the beginning of chapter 8, you've got this story of Jesus, and he's just going about his normal business, and suddenly the Pharisees are bringing in this woman who's been caught in adultery, and there's this whole pressure situation of Jesus. What are you going to do about this? We've caught her in adultery. And then Jesus, who is in the temple court area is confronted with the Pharisees, and there's all sorts of debate and argument going on. And some of it's quite strong. I mean, Jesus says this to them. He says, you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. Whoa, you see, there's some fairly strong conversation going on. And the, uh, the, not the disciples, the Jews around him, they're arguing back, hey, listen, we, we follow Abraham, we're followers of Abraham, that we're children of Abraham. And Jesus has been challenging him, challenging them on that very issue. You say that you're followers of Abraham. You say that you do the things that Abraham does. But as for you, you're different from Abraham. Abraham never actually said he wanted to kill me. So hang on a second. What's going on with you? You are determined to kill me, Jesus says. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, Abraham never did such things. So you can see it's quite contentious. And actually it culminates with this, John 8 verses 58 to 59. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am, he says. And at that point they picked up stones to ready to stone him. But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. Now see what Jesus was saying is when he said, before Abraham was even born, I am, That very phrase, the I am phrase, is indicating that Jesus is saying, listen, I've been around from eternity to eternity. I am God. And so as soon as they hear this, this is blasphemy. So they want to pick up stones because they really don't think that that's who Jesus is. And I want to have that in the back of your minds because actually this is a pressure situation. Have you ever been involved in in a bit of a debate with somebody? Well, when I say debate, controversy, argument, defending your cause... You, don't, you have that rush of adrenaline in you. <gasps> you, know, you walk away from those things and it's like, okay, but you feel that you've been in that sort of debate. I think Jesus felt like that. So he's coming away from the temple. That's the situation that he's just walking away from. Okay, So we come away from that situation. Now we go into John chapter 9. Let me read to you the first seven verses. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work, but while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. 
Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go, wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. So as I say, we've been in the temple, and Jesus has been debating and arguing with the Pharisees, and now he's come out, and suddenly he's seen this man who was born blind. He was born blind. Just a few things I want to note here. Notice that the disciples are instantly saying, like, hey, how's this happened? What's the situation? Is this because of a sin? We always want to know, what's what's the problem here? What's the answer to that problem? Why did it come about? And for the disciples, and was the thinking at that time was, hey, this sort of thing comes about because it must be because he sinned. That's why he's got this punishment. And you see a little bit of these arguments when you read the book of Job on a similar basis. But again, if it's not him, perhaps it's his parents. It was before him. It's because of their sin that their son was born and he's been born blind and that's a payment back for their sins. Well, no, 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 says Jesus. It's none of those reasons. The reason that this man was born blind is so that the power of God can be seen. That is the reason why he was born blind. Well, just think for a moment. He was born blind. Now, I know this is obvious, but that means, yes, he had smelt, yes, he had heard, yes, he had tasted, yes, he had touched things, but he had never been able to see anything. So for us, we've got five senses, but for him, one of those senses completely shut down. He'd never seen anything, and that was his situation right from when he was born. He had only known the other four senses. This man was a beggar. That, unfortunately, was how he managed to get his income. Because of his blindness, he wasn't able to do the usual work that other people were able to do. And because he was blind, therefore he was begging. I dare say this was his spot. We often see this as you walk down the high streets, even around here. You see certain places where people go to beg because they know this is a good spot. And I think for this guy, the temple actually was a good spot. This place was a good spot for him because as the worshippers were coming in, they were stirred with the fact they're coming to worship God, they're coming to give gifts to God, and here's a guy who's in need. Oh, okay, I'll give something to him as I'm going into the temple. There's a sense in which he'd found a good spot, but that was his life. He was a beggar, and he begged around the temple area. Now, this is the point. This man had had to endure... These sort of challenges, the challenges of blindness, the challenges of rejection from his community, the challenges of not being the same as other people, the challenges of only being a beggar, the challenges therefore of poverty, and all of those things, those were the challenges that he had had to face and was facing in his life, and that had been his experience since he had been born. As a young boy growing up, he wasn't the same as the other kids because he couldn't see. There had to be a hedge of protection around him. As The other kids did certain things he couldn't do. Imagine that he would be called names. It's not just because it's old-fashioned that that didn't happen in those days. There's still a separation because you're different from us. And you know what kids are like? They like to make that known. Sometimes it's quite hard, but that is the life that he's been through. And it makes me think, God, what are you doing? Why did you let this happen? Well, we know why this had to happen. Because it was, he was made blind so that the power of God could be displayed in his life. He's a man. Now, 
I don't know exactly how old he was. He's obviously older than a bar mitzvah because later on his parents are saying he's old enough, he can speak for himself. So as far as the Jewish community is, he is actually beyond, he's, uh, of an age to be an adult. I believe he's more than that, probably in his t- uh, 20s or something like that. I don't know particularly, but I know that this man had had to endure the hardship of life for a long period of time. And that just speaks to me. And I believe it should speak to all of us. Why was he in this situation? Oh, you don't understand God. You don't care for me, God. God isn't good. Look at what he's done to me. All of the things that he, or we might say, he's right to be able to say those things. And yet the truth is God always has a plan. God always has a purpose. And even though he's had to endure the hardship, God is for him, not against him. Because it's this man. Right from before he was born, I have chosen him that he would be born blind so that later on the power of God might be displayed in his life. Just makes me think how often that we complain. God, you do not understand. Did you know what I'm going through? Don't you ever listen to me? Don't you care for me? Don't you understand the trial and the trauma that I am going through? Yes, he knows. Now, I don't know what God wants to do, and not every situation is the same as this situation. I quite understand that. But it just makes me realize, you know what? It's better for us to turn to God and to say, God, what are your plans? What are your purposes? How can you use me? I'm seeking to turn my face towards you, even though I am going through the challenges. Now, we all know the whole situation of all. In the midst of challenge, we're still called to praise. Yes, we are. But sometimes when we hear a story like this, it gives us strength to be able to praise. It gives us the ability to be able to stand up. Because we jolly well know what it is when the pressures of life are pressing in on us and we feel that pressure and we feel the limitation. I don't really feel like praying because this is getting me down. I wonder how many times he'd been in that position. I wonder how many times he'd been in a situation where he needed money and nobody seemed to want to give to him. This was his life. But the purpose of him being in this situation was that God wanted to show his power in his life, even though that literally took years to come about. Jesus continued, having had this discussion with the disciples about the fact that it was because God's power was to be seen in his life, he continues and just says, as long as I am in the world... I am the light of the world. But as soon as he said that, the next thing that Jesus is doing is spitting on the ground. Take yourself to this place. He is doing that. I know it's revolting because he spits on the ground and it says he gets the saliva and he starts making mud of it and then he gets that mud and he puts it on this guy's eyes. You can imagine everybody's going like, what? (laughs) What are you doing Jesus, how is it you get away with this? And the next thing he's saying to the man who's now got Jesus' spit and the mud from the ground being wiped on his eyes and he's told to go. And don't forget he's blind. He's told to go to the pool of Siloam. I haven't got a map for you, but it's about a quarter of a mile away. All we know is that he went. Did he ask one of his friends to take him? Did one of the disciples take him? Jesus didn't go. Jesus just left him. Jesus did that and then left him to his own devices. It's almost like Jesus has done his bit. You go to the pool of Siloam. 
Okay, that's my job finished. Jesus is like if he's gone off. But the guy does go. He does go and he is taken to that pool. And guess what? He washes that spit mud off his eyes. This is the man who had never seen. His eyes are opened. He can see. Now, I can't even begin to imagine what that must have been like. Do you know, I mean, this is nothing like it. As a child, we used to have TV. In our days, it was black and white. I know for many of you that seems very strange, and it's not that many years ago, believe you me. But there did come a day when we had color TV, and that in itself was an amazing difference. Even though you can watch old film, I can watch an old film in black and white, because it, actually you still got most of the action, but suddenly when color comes, another dimension comes. Now, that's a very, very poor example, because this guy had never seen anything. Black and white, nothing. He'd only ever had the other senses, but now, now he could see everything. The sounds, the senses, the smells, everything started to connect in a new way as he could see. You can imagine it's completely transformed his life. Let's come to the next stage, the response to this miracle. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And so this guy, full of praise, full of excitement, I, I don't know, because the Bible doesn't tell us, it just says that he came back and he was seeing so he comes back, and you would think everybody is going to be ecstatic about this. And it is wonderful, but... And you think, well, wait, oh, no, no, there's no but here. This is wonderful. But you see, there was people questioning. John 9, verses 8 and 9. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said... No, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. Listen, this is such a spectacular miracle that the people around him who knew him, those that interacted with his life, they actually looked at him and said, like, they can't believe it. Hang on, this guy is blind. He has been blind from birth, therefore that's how it's always going to be. But he comes back and says, I can see. And it's obvious that he can see because everything is changing about him. And so others are saying like, it, it, it does look like him. Is it him? And he's saying, it's me. It's me. It really is me. Unbelief. Look at what unbelief can do. Unbelief can shut you out. Even from the truth, it can still disguise it. How frustrating unbelief is. How much we need to cry out to God for our own lives that unbelief be removed from us that we may be able to believe what is true. The work that Jesus had done was quite simply incredible. But it was so incredible that literally some people could not take hold of it. And that, unfortunately, is the nature of unbelief. It does grip our minds so that we find things difficult to get hold of. But of course, now this guy's come back. They're trying to work everything out. The questions begin. Well, how were your eyes opened? How did it happen? So he says to them, verses 11 to 12, he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed. Now I can see. Well, where is he now? So say, like, well, okay, if he's done this, where is he? And the guy, I don't know. 
He'd never seen Jesus. He'd obviously heard about him, and he must have been aware of the fact that when he came into the temple, people talked about him. He probably heard stories about Jesus, so there was an understanding of something, but he'd never seen him, and I don't know where he is. He's not here. Now, the man is taken to see the Pharisees. He was taken to see the Pharisees because of the miraculous nature of this miracle, because it is actually beyond comprehension. And in any case, one of the noted signs of the coming Messiah was that he was going to open the eyes of the blind. And what better example than this? The man born blind could now see. Isaiah 35 verses 4 to 6, it says, Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. You see, Isaiah had prophesied that this is what the coming Messiah was going to be like. Now, here we have a man, Jesus, who, don't forget, earlier had been arguing with the Pharisees about the fact that he was God. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. He's making statements that people are understanding about him being God, and now he's doing miracles that would attest to that. We need to get him before the Pharisees. So they take him before the Pharisees because they're interested to know, hang on, is this the Messiah because of the miracles that he's doing? So the man himself is taken before the Pharisees. How did this happen? They ask him. Incidentally, I should say one thing. The day that all of this happened on was a Sabbath day. So the Pharisees have got that information. They know it's the Sabbath. They now have got this guy coming before them. How did all this happen? So he told them. He put mud on my eyes, I washed it off, and now I can see. The Pharisees are thrown into some sort of debate. Verse 16 says, Some of the Pharisees said, This man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. That's the issue. Hang on a second. You've got this problem. This is how it's supposed to be. This is what we say. This is our interpretation. We can't understand this. So they're locked in that mindset and they're working it against it. But against that, others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was deep division amongst them, a deep division of opinion amongst them. The Pharisees turned back to the man. What do you think? Who do you think this Jesus is? Who do you think he is? The man replied, he's a prophet. Now really what he's saying by that is he's a prophet. He's actually saying this guy has to be from God if he's doing things like this. And don't forget this guy was talking with authority of anybody who knew the transformation that had taken place. It was him because he could say, I was blind, but now I see. But the Pharisees, because they're human, because this is the way that human thinking goes, they can't reconcile their thoughts. So they actually think, like, we better check to see whether this guy was actually blind in the first place. Was he really born blind? Was that the truth? They asked for the man's parents to be brought in. So the man's parents are found, and they are brought in before the Pharisees. Is this your son who was born blind? They're asked. They confirm. Yes, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind. However, they also knew that anybody acknowledging the fact that Jesus was the Messiah was going to be in trouble with the Pharisees. 
So at this point, they've answered the questions, they're doing the right thing, but they're also trying to be a little bit sensible and take a little bit of a back, back step. So they say, like, well, as to how it all happened, well, we're not really quite sure. Um, but he's old enough, he's an adult, he can answer those questions for himself. Really what they're saying is, look, if we say what we see and think, we're going to get into trouble, so we're just going to back away from this. We leave it up to him. A good bit of sidestepping, if you like, was done by them. So the Pharisees, they start a second round of questionings of the man who had been healed. And they put him under oath. They actually summoned him a second time and they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man, and they're referring to Jesus who had healed him, this man is a sinner. Now when they say give glory to God, what they're actually saying to the guy is this. Listen, uh, it's a sort of a, a Jewish phrase for like when we go to court and you have to say, I, I promise I will tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. It's that sort of thing. So they're basically saying, we're putting you under oath now, tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. We know that this man is a sinner. What do you think? So the man born blind answers this. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. And no one can take that away from him. He knows the truth. And you know what? When you know that God has touched your life, when you know that he's done something in your life, other people might put it down. Other people might say, no, I don't believe that. Your friends at work might dispute it. Well, you're not one of those weirdos, are you? And you know you feel that pressure inside, and yet there's something. Nobody can take it away. That is what he has done for me, and I'm holding on to it. And that's what this man was doing. God had touched him, and he knew it. Well, how did he open your eyes, the Pharisees come back? I've told you already. Do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Whoa, the man now is scared. He's bold, and he's telling the story as it is, as far as his life is concerned. He wants to get rid of all the rubbish. He just wants to say, this is what has happened. Do you want to be his disciples? This is now causing some problems. Verse 28, then they cursed him. This is the Pharisees. They cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Now our healed man starts challenging the Pharisees. Well, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. But of course, that sort of response before the Pharisees can only have one sure outcome. And of course, the sure outcome was this. They banished him. Verse 34, to this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Why was the man born blind? Jesus answered that question by saying that this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. The man that was born blind could now see. His life was completely transformed. He knew what an outstanding miracle had taken place in his life. And he was convinced that this Jesus, who had spread that mud on his eyes, wasn't a sinner. 
but rather was a man of God. And that's in comparison to the Pharisees. They could see, right the way through the whole thing, they could see. They could see right from the beginning, but they couldn't see where Jesus had come from. They couldn't understand who Jesus was. And from that point of view, they were being shown as those who were spiritually blind. They knew the law. They taught the law to other people. Yet they considered Jesus to be a sinner, a lawbreaker. They closed their minds to him, even though he had done such an outstanding work. There's no real searching within them for the answer to the question, is this man the Messiah? No, he's just a sinner. And the case is closed. It's dismissed. Listen, I want to say to you, are you blind or can you see? Are you blind or can you see? Being able to see carries a responsibility. Because if we see that Jesus is God, then we know that as God, he needs to be served, he needs to be worshipped, he needs to be given first priority in our lives. Jesus heard that the man had been thrown out by the Pharisees. And he went and found him. When we're at our deepest need, Jesus still reaches out to us. He could have just left it. That's the whole thing. The man's life had been turned around. Everything was rosy for him. From now on, he could get a job. Life was turned upside down. But Jesus didn't just leave him. He went to find him. He says to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, again, it's a little bit difficult when we're just reading these passages, but that's a loaded statement, okay? He's basically saying, do you believe in the Messiah? This is the one that they have been waiting for. The man simply says this, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus says this, verse 37 and 38, you have seen him, Jesus says. But he didn't leave it there. You have seen him and he is speaking to you. What a moment. This is now the culmination of this whole miracle. Jesus, who did the miracle, but the man could never see what happened. He just felt that spit, that mud, and he went off with his friends that quarter mile away to go to that pool to wash and everything was changed. But he'd never seen Jesus. He'd known what this man Jesus had done for him. Undeniable. So now he's processing that. And now he's being asked by this man Jesus certain questions. Who is this Messiah? And Jesus is saying that he is here. He is speaking to you. There is only one thing that can happen when you're meeting Jesus like that. And that's the result of this man's life. He says, yes, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped Jesus. Friends, the work of God brings transformation. It brought transformation from his life. It brings transformation to our lives. The work of God takes us from blindness to sight. The work of God takes us from darkness to light. The work of God takes us from begging to worshipping. Let's let God come into our lives. As we're approaching this season of change, I want to encourage you. 
There's many things I believe that we're blinded to. They're going on in the world around us. They're the miracles of God. But just like the Pharisees, there's so much stuff in us and in the world that it blinds us out to it. So we're struggling to find. I don't want any of us to struggle to find. I don't want to struggle to find. I want to encounter him. I want to meet him. I want to know the reality of him. And I want to live for him. And you do too. But there's questions. There's things that we're working through. This is a season for us all. To say, like, I've got lots of questions, but it's time for me to bring my questions to the only one who can answer them. So let's give ourselves time and space. Let's give ourselves to a season of time so that we go through this together. There will be a sense in which, like, there are times when you're asking questions and you don't seem to get answers. But you keep going because that's what a season is about. You're going through a season. Because when we get to the end of the season, we take a stop and say, God, what is it you have done? What is it you have spoken to me about? How have you changed my life? Lord, please, take me from blindness to sight. Take me from darkness to light. Take me from begging to worshipping. That's what I'm asking of you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning. Or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.